Thanks. Um, I've got a week off work this week, which is quite nice. Although nice. You, you seem to have had about three or four weeks off work. <laughs> you know that's not true. You've seen what the start of April was like for me. Uh, yes, yes, true. Um, yeah, I've been doing a little bit of research over the last day or two uh, to have a look at sort of like our final discussion points that we've missed over the winter months and uh, to also have a look at what happened on Media Day that we both should have been going to. Um, but due to circumstances around the world, we were unable to. Um, but yeah, there there have been some goings on that have been keeping us interested, and uh, we'll bring them all to you. Anything exciting happening to you in this sixth or seventh week of lockdown that we're in? Oh, not really. I've managed to do some work on my own car, which is quite nice. Um, and. Nice until yesterday the weather had been absolutely perfect while we've had to be inside yeah yeah um but yeah been good how about you um no i need a haircut that's the only sort of news in my life it's getting much much longer than i would like um and the beard that i've been trying to grow so for listeners who won't know i've decided not to shave until lockdown is over and you really would be able to tell with seven weeks growth where where <laughs> i am compared to your seven minute growth on your face compared to my seven week growth has, uh, yeah. has it just got to a point where it's gone no nah, I'm, I'm finished i'm stopping here i think so i think so i mean i've got a lot under the chin yeah under there. yeah yeah nothing on the side at all and then yeah a tiny tiny sort of 1950s Italian gangster moustache, which you know, doesn't really work for me. Not, not even keeping you warm. No. Uh, well, I think we should get into it. We've got sort of like five or six subjects to cover, um, and first of all, I think we'll get into the final driver transfers and team announcements, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, keep you up to speed. So, Motorbase were the final team to announce their driver lineup and also what car they would be running for this season when it hopefully gets underway. And they've kept one of their drivers from last season in Ollie Jackson. Personally, I think he deserves his new contract from the end of last season. He was he'd upped his game a bit um, and was arguably a little more competitive than Chilton was. Uh, certainly towards the end of the season, I'd agree with you. Certainly towards the end of the season. Um, and they've also bought in, with Chilton going out, they bought in a big-name replacement, the independent champion from last year, Rory Butcher. Now, for yep. me, that's a step backwards for him, uh, personally. But he's been there before. There's a little bit of um, history between the two. But for me, to stack from that Honda into arguably an unproven car that they bought in new for this season in the new Ford Focus ST, it's it's a risk for him. It is a risk, although it's also a good chance for him to turn his hand at uh, developing a new car. Um, you probably, if you 
Butcher, you probably look at where where you are last year. Can you go that one step further at that team or not? I'd argue probably not. Okay. Um, I'd say that I don't think that car will beat the Dynamics car or the BMWs. They're the two that set the pace generally throughout the season. Obviously, you have Ingram in the Toyota and a couple of other cars up there, but generally it's Team Dynamics and WSR set the pace. Yep. Um, I expect Vauxhall to be a lot stronger this year as well. Yeah, so right. perhaps you looked at it and thought, I've achieved what I can achieve here. I'm not going to get a seat with the newer Honda at Dynamics for obvious reasons. Um, therefore, let's have a new challenge. Let's go. I agree with you that on paper, certainly, it's a step back. But that car could work really well and could be even better than the car he had last year. I agree. It's a stretch and it's perhaps a little bit difficult to accept that might happen given that he's not with the same quality drivers I think it's fair to say yeah um, that's fair Jackson, uh, Jackson's got no experience of developing a car to a standard where it's competitive and I'll come on to Van Dini in a moment but let's just say he couldn't get anything out of a title winning dynamics car in the past um, do you think that Butcher obviously coming from AMD tuning do you think he was pushed out because that the announcement that they made was very abrupt to say that okay none of our drivers will be with us for next season in the same cars that is well and both of them or all three of them tore off included in that were almost like pushed out the door from how the announcements were made yeah that could just be poor announcement uh, or poor you know wording in their announcement I think we we, we didn't expect tore off back at all I think we no. accepted that. Yeah, it's unlikely. I don't know if we'll see him again in touring cars, which is completely understandable given everything that's happened. We knew that the replacement from last year was just that, a replacement. Yep. And he also then, of course, went to hard anyway, yep. Mike Bushell. So they had to replace that driver. We knew Blundell wasn't coming back either. No. So he he's not in the position to be in the car either. So I think, I'm not sure they were pushed out so much as just just time to move on for everyone involved. It, I think the, the announcement made a little more sense when the almost change of team, team ownership happened, when it changed yes. to MB Motorsport, and obviously Mark Blundell has taken over the running of the team from Sean Hollenby. Um, however, you'd want to keep a driver of Rory Butcher's calibre, wouldn't you? Um, it depends what you want, though, doesn't it? Because, obviously, Blundell has worked with Hill in the past. Yes last season and as you all know I, I've been a critic of him in the past but last year he really turned a corner in his British touring car career and I'm very excited to see what he can do in a car that is more competitive um, so what what more can you get from Butcher in that position really I say he's not the car for me and the team isn't going to be pushing for the title I don't think that's you know, a, a particularly controversial thing to be saying you know, they're not going to be pushing for the title I don't think Um a slight surprise, perhaps, that you bring in Sam Osborne yep. to, to be the, the, the secondary driver. Although he didn't do terribly in the MG, considering you know the the limit <laughs> limitations to the car and the limitations are. Well, it's an MG. It's not really. A, yeah, it's not really a racing car anymore. Is it? I reckon I can do a five k quicker. Yeah, the, the, um, there's a reason that the um, accelerating got rid of that at the end of the year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Would Hill and Butcher work? I mean, you don't know how these drivers get on off the track either. And if Blundell's yeah, taken true. over the team, um, he's obviously wants his man, and Hill is his man. Yeah. Then if him and Butcher don't get on, or there's arguments to who's going to be the number one driver, there's a lot of politics that we don't get to see. You do wonder whether that's part of it that you know Blundell is now going to coach. Also, that's the other thing as well. Blundell is potentially now mentoring and coaching 
Hill was the perfect candidate, as is Osborne. Both yeah. those fit the coaching bill perfectly. Two young drivers, one more improving than the other in Osborne, but still both fairly new to the sport c- continually. Hill's done stints here and there, but he's not done a full se- many full seasons. This potentially is the they're the perfect people to coach whereas Butcher doesn't need that yeah well it will be interesting to see how that team goes on obviously there is a third car at Motorbase and the the final announcement came and I think we were both very taken back by who it was at, actually announced I think the whole of the British Touring Car world minus Motorbase potentially even Motorbase was slightly surprised so yeah. obviously Neat was announced at the 11th hour uh, which kind of sent the rumour mills into meltdown about mm. what might have been um, there. So, Anthony isn't a debut on to the series. He has raced in the series in the past. Uh, he first appeared on the scene in 2001 where he drove. Can you remember? Probably a Vauxhall back then. No, it was a Mr. Bishy Char- uh, Charisma. Oh, dearie me, yes. Full of racing um, pedigree. He only drove two rounds. Okay. Um, that year so we'll say and that's back in the class system so we'll yeah. say the in terms of what we are uh, familiar with now his proper BTC debut if you like was in 2005 uh, with the Vauxhall Astra with Team Nuts and Daniels Motorsport yep. not a particularly stellar season though he did only start three races uh, where he scored one point so not a terrible start he then got a full season with WSR in 2010 yes um, and this is sort of where for me, you look at where he had two sort of seasons, well, he had three full seasons back-to-back um, and achieved very, very little in that time. Um, and that's with, where With the top the team in WSR as well. Sorry? With the top team in WSR. Yeah, running the BMW 320 SIs at that point. He, yeah. His highest uh, finish that year was a 10th. Um, sorry, no, it was a 9th. I, te- I do apologise, it was a 9th. Um, he scored six points throughout the year. Six. Six. Is that hit? Wow. Six with a WSR BMW. Jeez. Uh, in 2011, he moved on to uh, Team Aon and drove Ford Focus. Um, oh, I, re- again, I remember had... that Aon Focus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Had a full season again, scoring 15 points. Yep. Uh, a high score again. Uh, a high score of sixth this time. Yep. Um... Did, did the rules change in 2012? Uh, is that when they moved to the full NGTC spec and they didn't have a second like um, class? I was thinking about the points because in 2012 he rode the MGKX Momentum Racing car. Uh, he finished 16th in the championship but with 79 points. So that was the record. That was the same one alongside Plato, wasn't it? Yeah, and looking along, but yeah, we. He scored 79 points that year, but with 12s, 14s, 14s. I wonder if they expanded the point scoring positions that year. Yeah, I think it might have dropped down from 10 to 15. Looking at the data, I think that's correct. So he scored 79 points that year, uh, a high score again of 6th. Um, so, you know, he's had three and decent cars at his disposal. I was going to say that MG Momentum car with Plato in it nearly won the title that season as well, didn't it? It did. It did. So you've got three good cars, three. I mean, uh, WSR did win a title in the 320s, I believe. Yep. Team A on that focus was competitive, if not title-worthy, but competitive. And then, as you say, of the MG, that was a title-challenging car. 2013, he moved to 
uh, Chevy Cruises, um, but only raced uh, a handful of rounds, scoring no points. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2016, he was given a race with uh, Halford Jurassic Racing. He only started the first three rounds, again scoring no points, and was very critical about the car he was in. Critical about team dynamics, Halford's car. Hmm. Which had won the season before. A serial winner in the series as well. Yeah, and that's that car had won a championship. So yeah. he's got some racing background, if not particular pedigree. Um, a bit of a surprise to him back. So he last raced in 2016, so we've got a four-year absence uh, from being in the uh, in the series. Um, not the most well-liked of drivers, I think it's fair to say. Um, he's been caught up in a lot of incidents in his racing career, not just the British Touring Car, so, but in his racing career in the Touring Car, he's involved in several big incidents, including a pit lane smash at uh, Brands. Yep. Um, and the sort of the rumour mill was that it was supposed to be shedding in the car, um, but the deal to get him there didn't go through. Uh, and thus Neat was a last minute replacement. How true that rumour is is another question entirely. Um, well there are things no that kind of go along with that rumour as well in the sponsorship of the car. So the sponsorship that was seen on the car on media day is not something that I know to be a company or anything like that um, and there are talks that there was meant to be a big name sponsor on the car maybe linked to Shedden wasn't there? Yes, there's two there's two sponsorship rumours that I've come across. One was that uh, Butcher was bringing Ladbrokes, hence the red, but Ladbrokes pulled out because of the coronavirus beers prior to media day. Uh, and the other rumour was that Shetton was bringing Vodafone. Yep. Um, again, hence the red car, etc. Because like you, the, the, the uh, sponsor they have on the car, it's not, in my opinion, a big, big enough name to replace what they had before in shredded wheat. No, not at all. It's... It's Racing Red, um, which I understand is a car uh, dealership um, business. Um, but again, I'm not sure that could replace the clout. Again, we don't know how much shredder we put in, but it would you'd imagine it was a fair amount considering the um, nature of the sponsorship and where it was on the car and etc. Et so, and the amount of background advertising they had in the paddock as well, with having this shredded wheat lorry there and offering out free cereal for people in the mornings. Yeah. Yeah, so all of that kind of ties in. Again, we don't know how much truth to those rumours there are, um, but certainly it was a surprise to see uh, Neat as the announced driver. And it's fair to say there's a fair bit of backlash on the socials um, when it was announced, uh, given his track record and given that you could have potentially bought in a younger driver. Obviously, Jade Edwards had tested for them throughout um, the winter off-season. Michael um, Kane came in towards the end of last year to replace Nick Hamilton. He was able to drum up a lot of sponsorship in a short amount of time and was impressive. Yeah. Performed well in the car, yeah. yeah. It's a hell of a gamble to give a new car to a, I think it's fair to say, unproven driver. Yeah. And they've got, effectively, they've got an unproven driver, a semi-unproven driver, and a good, it's a really odd lineup. Yeah, in that sense. If you're going to try and develop a new car, you, those with respect to Ollie Jackson, who did pick up performance at the end of the last season, but I wouldn't be giving a new car to Needs and Jackson to try and turn into a title contending car. Yep. Well, that kind of sums up the motorbase news. They left it very late and the decisions were questionable. Um, another decision that was left very late was Matt Simpson. Uh, so we all know mm. that he runs, he would normally be running his own uh, Honda Type R, Civic Type R. 
and he runs his own team basically uh, has his own sponsorship on the car and he goes racing because he enjoys racing and unfortunately he's had he's announced that he's stepping back from the grid this year he's returned his license to Toka um, and they have not offered it out to anyone else although there were rumours um, but there he says he says that it was due to family racing commitments so his son is very much into his karting at the moment and he wants to further concentrate on that to try and develop his racing career uh, which is completely yeah. understandable for me yeah completely understandable um, from a racing perspective it's annoying how late it was left yes. uh, because it meant that a car has been lost from the grid um, as you say rumours again swimming around the dynamics are interested in taking that third licence Dynamics have run free cars in the past and Shedden was going to be standing in for Matt Neal yep. um, the start of the season um, and we always want to see Flash back on the grid but as you say I completely understand and respect the decision to why he's chosen to step down it's just a shame that it came so late um, that Toka decided they weren't going to reissue the licence whether they revisit that considering we're not due for a start now until August uh, more on that later um, I don't know um, it'd be good to see as many cars on the grid as possible but it's always difficult to try and guess second guess what Toka are going to do So moving on then to the Media Day general update. Obviously, we were supposed to be going. Um, it seems a lifetime ago, uh, 17th of March. Uh, that's now not nearly, of course, a month, or just over a month ago. Um, obviously, we're scheduled to be going. Um, it was held behind closed doors in the event, um, but testing did go ahead. It did, yeah. It was cancelled at the last possible minute as well, wasn't it? night before we found yeah. out. Um, and we were kind of expecting it because of what had been going on um, but we were I, personally I was quite surprised that they carried on with the actual media day I know it was behind closed doors and everything but we had the F1 at Australia a week later cancelled on the Thursday before that and everyone had already travelled out there yeah. and yeah it's it's strange but it did go ahead um, all the cars yeah. were launched um, when you consider how many people would have been there, you know, just just from the team point of view, yes. you're probably talking to about 500 to 1,000 people just from the team's point of view. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the media as well. You're probably looking at 1,500 plus people there, which is a lot of people considering that what was what. But I mean, at the time, the advice wasn't to shut sporting events down, so they went ahead with what was right at the time, I suppose. Um, uh, and albeit about us. And a lot of people that had been in different countries testing. And I'm sure the media yes. people had been in different countries covering different articles. Which, yeah, it's questionable, but we'll get on to more about that later. Um, the actual test went ahead, as you said. Uh, two three-hour sessions, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And in the first uh, three-hour session, we had Jake Hill top the times by three-tenths. Mm -hmm. Um, an impressive showing from him uh, yeah. in that new new to him Honda Civic uh, and he was three tenths quicker than Andrew Jordan who was in second yeah uh, a good start for Hill in the car of course it all depends on what they're trying to get out of the session to you, the times I know it's always difficult to read too much into the times because Jordan was probably testing something slightly different yeah. Hill was going how much can I push the car 
um, compared to Jordan, who might have been doing race pace or yeah. Well, yeah, I, th- I think the BMWs were looking for consistency. They had all three of their BMWs in the top seven, um, and they all yeah. did a, a fair a fair lick on the uh, lap counter as well. Um, yeah. The BTC Racing Boys, so we've got Chilton, Cook and Crees there this season, were all within a tenth of each other in the first session, which is impressive for Crees, since he's come from a slowish car in the Volkswagen from last season. Being kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little kind. Um, Proctor, in his first outing in the new, brand new Hyundai, uh, yeah. finished the ses- first session in eighth, which yeah. for a brand new car to go out there and go, boom, that's where we can get it to. Obviously, he may be low fuel, looking for setup optimization, um, but still to go out there and do that, and Smiley wasn't too far off of him either. Um, no, no. Um- Gornell impressed me. Sixth. Yeah, I was just about Sixth. to mention him. Coming in, brand new car, brand new to the series, more importantly. Yep. Uh, yeah, come in and been right on the pace, uh, which, as you say, is impressive. Uh, I think he's going to be a dark horse for Abbasi. Not for the championship, that's not that no. silly, but I think he's going to be a, a bit of a dark horse in that car. Yeah, he, he's going to be running Tomo close, I reckon. Mm. Um Turkey. Look at his CV. He's got a good talent away from the sport. Um, yeah, I think he could you know, push, push maybe for a couple of top tens. Turkington and Ollie Jackson both completed 65 laps in three hours, uh, which is impressive. And you can see that there's work being done there by Motorbase with Ollie Jackson. And Turkington yeah. must be like just getting back into the groove of it, making sure he's comfy in his seat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. I reckon the BMW that they've turned up with this year isn't too far off of what they finished last season with. Um, and he's just running it in, running it in, making sure they've got the reliability there because they know they're always going to have the speed. Yeah, exactly. Um, the majority of the drivers completed 20 laps in that session, which we know to be about a race distance. Um, yeah. Fuller was standing in for Bushel, as we know, had those issues with his heart problems over the winter. Um and wasn't fit at the time, although hopefully is making a full recovery now, and when hopefully we do get the season restarted, should be in that um, team hard seat. Yep. Uh, Sutton was the main the main loss from FP1, um, had several technical issues, only did nine outlaps, um, didn't set a competitive time, which for a new car to him, yeah, kind of understandable, but... Yeah, though Moffat was also a little off the pace as well. I mean, it was a bit yeah. of a disappointing session, I think, for the Infinity, given that obviously Moffat has had half a season to develop it. Um, and Sutton, having got out of the Subaru, you'd expect him to be pushing a, a new car, which works, should we say. Um, it was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, I think as a whole, they were quite disappointing as a whole in the first session. Uh, Ingram, for the majority of the session, was actually fastest. Um, yeah. and showed really good pace in that Toyota um, obviously oh, yeah. has oh, had yeah. the whole season to develop, he knows where the car's at um, and this season he can go on and push with it and as we said oh, Andy Neat coming into the season uh, last moment, a little bit rusty we might say um, was one second off the driver just in front of him which is yeah. a massive gap in touring car massive standards gap. 
odd humongous gap between class standards. We've seen grid separated on from back to front on less than a second. Yeah. You know? That is a that, that's a country mile in terms of touring cars. I mean obviously he's gonna be a bit rusty, but there's drivers new to the series that have got better times. There's drivers in worse cars that, you know, have got better times. Yeah. It's it's not boding well, it, albeit one swear doesn't make a summer or all that, but no, not, no, it doesn't. Um, moving on to the, moving on to the afternoon session, uh, Ingram was right back on the pace, uh, top the times with a one minute six point one, which is four tenths quicker than Jake Hill in the morning session. Uh, yeah. Jake Hill was second quickest in Quick again. the afternoon session and was less than half a tenth off, which steady improvements from him. Is what we're expecting to see probably this season. Um, Butcher was fourth in the brand new Focus, which was a surprise yeah. for me. I thought they'd yeah, be, be running it in. Obviously, Jackson did a load of laps in the morning, but to find some good pace in that early on is promising for that team. But it Hello. does it does make me question how much is the driver, how much is the car. Well, and also, of course, but they could have, you know, sacrifice Jackson in the first session, get some data, and then just give a butcher the race setup, low fuel, low, yeah. um, you know, optimum setup, optimum tyre, low fuel, and just burn it and see what you can do. Um, it's, it's always difficult to glean too much from the testing. Same in F1, some teams sandbag on purpose. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think teams like Dynamics or WSR give a damn about the pace at this stage. They're worried, as you said earlier, consistency. Does the car feel right? Reliability the, and making sure things don't the, break. Yeah, are the little bits working? Is the distance between drivers, is the brake pressure on point for what they want that car to perform? Like, yeah, they're looking at the absolute yeah. tiny... Don't, don't mention brakes to Team Dynamics, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, joking aside, they'll be looking at that, seeing, you know, yeah. learning from that and seeing what can they do to stop that happening this year. As I say... I, I would think that with that, those teams, and possibly Vauxhall to a point too, who are not particularly fast, not particularly slow, just in the mid pack somewhere. Fine tuning. Again, yeah, fine tuning, get ready for the season ahead, ahead to optimise what they can do on the track at the time rather than going for pure pace or pure car uh, getting used to. As you said, from FP1, Moffat struggled. He struggled again in <coughs> FP2 as well. Um, Sutton yeah, was able did. to get the car up to ninth, which was encouraging to show that there is some pace in the car, and when it's working, it can work well. Uh, we know how much Sutton loves a rear-wheel drive car as well, and I think he's probably going to be the leader in that team this year. I'm starting to have second thoughts whether it's a good car or not. I mean, <laughs> there's glimpses last year where it looked good, but... Yeah. Rather like some of the other cars, perhaps Mercedes with the car loop team is a good example, that it's already been left behind in a sense. There's, you know, look at the steps WSR have made to, make, to solidify their um, title winning car. You look at Motorbase going with a brand new car, that if they get that right, it could be very good. Obviously yep. Ingram's now is in his second season of a brand new car. I know that's a brand new car in its own right, but it just already seems to be, you compare it against other like the like, it already seems quite far behind. Yeah, um, with going on cars that are quite far behind, Goff was fastest in the V-Dub, but it only got up to like 12th, which yeah, is probably the most we can expect from that car. It's been in the championship so long now, and we were both crying out last season for them to update and push forward. It's got to the point where I can't remember it not being in the championship. Yeah. That, that car, I mean... Those are, correct if I'm wrong, they're the same cars that Plato Menu drove. Yes. Which was Turks in there at that point as well. How, how long ago was that? BMR. 
Yeah. Yeah. They are. They must be six, seven years old now. Easily. Which in touring car terms is like going to get the old MGs from the WSR days and running that and seeing what happens. I mean, it's they're ancient. Accelerate found that out last year. Yes, yes, they did. The detriment, and they. I think that Team Hard will have that will easily get the back. Perhaps not so much boldly in the BMW, which we know is a race-winning car. With Jelly's done well with the same car, um, obviously championships have won in it. So, but the, the three V Dubs, I can't, I can't see. Uh, about trying to get two predictions too early on and this is a bonkers race like it was at Silverstone I can't see them scoring a point no. they're so slow they're going to struggle um, again Neat was still a second off the pace in the afternoon didn't seem to find yeah, anything the whole day um, and talking of a second a second covered the top 17 drivers in FP2 and that's the kind of competitiveness that we've seen all of last season um, and finally Crease was the fastest BTC car of the day well, we know Carice has got raw pace. He's shown yeah. that in the other divisions he's been in, obviously, without bashing hard too much, we know the limitations of the V-Dub. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see Carice, as I said before in another pod, there's nowhere to hide from now. No, yeah, this this is the season to really, really show what you're made of in the, in the series, once we get going, of course. Um, and yeah, he's he's got raw pace underneath him. He's got a car that's won... Um, uh, won uh, races was in the hunt for the championship albeit not quite but it was there or thereabouts last year um, you'd expect at least a couple of podiums for him this year ok then question for you who mm. has come out best from media day I think team or driver Gornel. I think Gornell for the driver because he's look, we all know that anyone who races minis is a bit mad yeah. he is that kind of lovable mad kind of almost I, I, I don't want to compare too much, but it reminds me a little bit of top James Thompson, yeah. that kind of cool, cool customer, laid back but kind of funny, and you know, you, you just think he's going to set the track alight both on and off the track. And, and um, he's a local lad to us. I found out earlier today. He's from Peterborough. Is he really? He yeah, is. There you go. Even more, even, even more reason to, to follow him. But you know, he comes across as a, as a cheerful chap, a, a funny, a funny guy who looks like he's going to be a, a decent addition to the sport. Um, he certainly set his track, his store out well on the track. Um, uh, yeah, I think he's come up really well for it. Um, for in terms of the team, I think you've probably got to look at WSR. You, you look at the consistency and how little was between the three cars. That's what you want. You want all three cars yeah. at the optimum level. You know, we know we've got two champions there and a, a good, safe pair of hands in all of them. But you want the three cars running at you know that similar similar. Um, spec and they seem to have that yeah for me it's Jake Hill um, I didn't see it coming that he'd be basically topping both sessions um, and yeah. being consistently quick as well uh, That that's a little surprise for me and the way the Hyundai's have performed almost straight out of yeah. the box to come in and go boom Proctor in 8th for the first session and then still well up there in the second session proves that they've got a decent car underneath them now I know yeah. there's been Hyundai's racing in the world touring cars and I'm wondering if some of the um, setups and sort of like the way that the car is produced or built has been filtered down to them um, but yeah, yeah. They're, they're the surprise team for me of that session I can understand that because you look at again two good drivers if not world class drivers who seem to have taken to the, both taken to the car like a duck or, uh, water duck sorry 
Um, you're right, they've got really good laps underneath them. Um, looked quick. And I, I, I take your point about Hill as well. You know, we know it's a good car. We know it's a, a, a race-winning car. They seem to have got the motorcycle straight away. Well, moving on to the elephant in the world at the moment. Um, obviously, we have the ongoing coronavirus pandemic called COVID-19, or however you want to label it. Um, as we have said before, Media Day was behind closed doors, which surprised both of us, kind of, um, and disappointed us that we weren't able to go. Uh, and as a consequence, the first three rounds were postponed at Donington, Brands and Silverstone. Um, Donington, we were meant to be going for both days. Brands, we were looking to go for race day. And Silverstone, you were going for race day and I was probably joining you at some point. Um, for my birthday, nonetheless. Yeah, yes, out. yes, for your birthday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it's, it's pushed everything back. And there are news, rumours about what's happening in the sporting world, especially. Of whether stuff will ever get started this season, year, however you want to look at it, or whether it will be just clean slate start next season when everything is sorted out, pandemic is closed down, shut down, um, sorted out with medicine and stuff like that. But there have also been news articles saying, well, we're going to look to start for this time or we're planning to run the season like this and Toker have come out the same way um, and just yesterday, day before Toker dropped a brand new cal- calendar for us which personally surprised me I don't know about yeah, you Yeah, so that came, out, that came out yesterday so originally we had put together some our own speculation to how the season might finish how we could fill it all in if at all obviously, you know all this goes about saying that the health of the world is obviously the most important issue. Oh, yes. This is, this is on the assumption that um, everything can go back to some form of normality. And while sport isn't the most important thing, it's the most important, non-important thing for a lot of people. It's a distraction for everybody. Most definitely. Um, it brings people together. Exactly. Um, which is why we're talking about how to get back to normality, not because we want to downplay the COVID-19 situation, just because... You know, eventually we will have to go back to some form of normality or hope to go back to some form of normality. Uh, and obviously Toka are thinking along the same lines because yesterday uh, they announced how they are planning on finishing the season uh, with a compressed calendar, uh, 27 rounds, uh, visiting the same circuits, albeit in a different order. Uh, the only slight change to the plans is that the Silverstone International Circuit has been dropped, probably because Silverstone hosts so many events throughout the year they need to keep some weekends uh, free themselves, so they yep. can carry on hosting. There's been talks F1 might go there twice, for example. Yeah. Um, but as it stands, we are going to have a season running from the 1st of August to the 15th of November, so very short uh, calendar, but crucially all 27 rounds. Uh, the plan is to begin, as originally planned, at Donington Park uh, and finishing off at Grand Hatch Grand Prix circuit. The only slight change that may uh, happen to all this is that there is rumour that the first few rounds will be behind closed doors, uh, which, again, obviously public health has to come first. But I would be slightly surprised if that happens. 
What, that if, if it happens behind closed doors? Yeah. The touring cars isn't like Formula 1. It requires... Uh, I don't wish to sound cash. You can do F1 without fans, which is what they're working about doing at Silverstone, because there's money... So I was going to say, money-wise, you can do it without fans. Lewis might yeah. disagree with you. Well, yeah. <laughs> drivers and the whole experience, yeah. Obviously, fans make any sport, 100%. Let's get that right. But if you look at F1, if you look at the amount of money from television rights alone, yeah. they can they can host some events behind closed doors. Touring cards are the same. They're relying a lot of the uh, money from ticket sales, from merchandise sales, from yeah. Yeah, sales on the day, whether that be a final program or a hot dog. You know, MSV tracks obviously have cafes at every site as well. I'm not sure that it can be done economically from a closed door perspective. Yeah, you, you mentioned that F1 has all the TV rights and gets a lot of money through that way. Um, with the clarification of this provisional calendar, all 27 rounds will still be shown on ITV as normal, um, yeah. which it would have less of an impact on having the first couple of rounds behind closed doors from a fan point of view. Because then everyone's still able to watch it on TV at home from the comfort of their sofa. But as you say, it doesn't it doesn't give you the same spectacle, it doesn't give you the same feeling of being at the circuit, smelling the cars, hearing the cars and just being in the same atmosphere. Yeah. But my, my fear is with just being at home, where does the money come from? Yeah. Because obviously ITV have the rights and they will pay some money, of course they will. But I don't see you know that, that being enough to sustain the sport. Um so I'd be surprised if we do end up behind closed doors. But if it's, a, if it's a situation where it's either that or no season at all, I think obviously something is better than nothing. Yeah. Um, but of course, come August, it could all be, we could all go back to some form of normality maybe. I mean, who knows what the next few months hold. I mean, two months ago, we weren't expecting to be in this position. So time moves quickly. Uh, no, it, it is very much a developing situation, as Toker have said in the statement that they released alongside this, that it will go in line with any government uh, announcements and standings on procedure with sporting events. Um, yeah. So it is all very <laughs> set in mud at the moment. It could be dug up and changed around. and it, it. I hope we still get rounds this season, but my fear is it could get to the stage where it isn't possible to get enough rounds to create a championship. I wonder yep. whether they would go down the route of having exhibition races and having paying fans go to that and just chopping and changing it. It would be interesting to see what Alan Gow says on the matter as well. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a couple of thoughts I've had is that it might do a super season um, and sort of stretch that into the start of next year, then have a break and start a bit later next year, so maybe May, June next year, yep. next year's season. Um but like you, I'm not sure they can get it all in. The other thing that worries me is that there's a lot of miles to travel in the first four weeks, um, and that's fine if you are a big team. Yeah. But we saw last year in some of the in the support races that teams couldn't afford to go to Knock Hill, for example, just because of the, the amount it costs to get there. And that's coming straight off the back of three weekends prior to that. Now again, if there's no fans there spending money at, you know, on at the various bits base they can do so around the track, it worries me whether there's going to be enough money to tickets of the independents or smaller teams to for the car age weekend I, I tell you what, if this does go ahead the positive to it is having 
four race weekends out of the first five in August. Well, for the fans, it's perfect. It would be absolutely awesome if it was able to go ahead. Yeah, I'm just thinking with my boring relentlessly in the real world hat on. Yeah. That, you know, that's a lot of stress on teams. That's a oh, yeah. full month, full month racing in different parts of the country. And it's not just teams that we have to think about in this day and age. It is the uh, market sellers, the the yeah. people that sell all the little trinkets that you go and pick up. Uh, around the back of the circuit and in the paddock and stuff like that um, yeah, and yeah. we also have to think about the support races that go along with it we were meant to have yeah. minis with us this season and they've got to be able to adjust their calendar to fit with this and yeah. all the other support series because there, yeah, there are a couple of rounds where we don't have the Porsches come with us, we don't have the Porsches at Knock Hill for example no. And so it, it's all got to fit in nicely together, um, yeah. which is going to be difficult with less time. It is, it is. And to say, if you're going to have no fans either, I don't see how you can do a full month racing. Yeah. I, I don't see how teams sustain it. But I, I don't envy the guys at Toka trying to make this work. Um, there is no easy solution. Um, I think we'll probably end up, as the season's not begun, probably inside this is a non-staff and going again mm. next year is my with my boring hat on to try and bring the mood down but I, I'm not convinced we'll see we might get a few exhibition races like you suggested I'm not convinced we'll see a season this year well as you probably all know we'll keep you up to date as best we know um, and we'll post on our socials on Facebook and Instagram of any updates that we hear about and we'll keep you as best up to date as possible um, but probably just watch this space, watch the Touring Car website, um, and hope, really. <laughs> hope that we get a season go ahead, because there's, there's lots of excitement that could happen. Now, as some of you may have noticed, we ran a few World Cups, uh, not knowing how long we're going to be away from the actual four. Uh, first off, before we go into any great details about that, thank you to everyone who got involved, shared it, commented, voted, even if it was to have a fight with somebody in the comments, etc. It was all uh, very well received by us. It took up a lot more than we expected to. Oh, yeah. Um, some the, some of the, those posts went far beyond what I thought we would ever expect to get on engagements. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so thank you to all the fan armies out there who posted, reposted, voted, etc., etc. It really made for a great World Cup. Um, for those who didn't know, we the winners were announced on the social. So, Sam, who won the best livery? Should we start there? Yeah, the best livery um, was sort of like a little 16-team round robin and um, narrowed all the way down to the Infinity Q50 with laser tools in that striking blue and white livery for this season, um, which is a, is a good livery, to be fair. It is. It is. Um, but there, there was a little bit of Aidan Moffat fan club help there. Moffat won the, uh, well, not Moffat, sorry, Late Halls even won the um, livery contest. Um, a surprise for you? Who did you have down or predict to win? Obviously, we had no sway in the voting. Just out of interest, who do you think was going to win? Oh, my, my personal favourite for this season is split. It's either between that new Hyundai with the Draper Tools livery. I, I like that nice deep blue with the black and grey on the back or the stealth the stealth BMW for this season 
just changing that changing that white to black this season with those colours just just picks those colours out nicely for me. Yeah, it pops, isn't it? It pops. Yes. Yeah. It's a nice livery. Um, I was expecting, uh, or perhaps thought that Rocket with Team Hard were going to win. Uh, I love the red and black of that car. Yeah. It, it suits the shape so well. Um, I too am also a fan of the Jacob Tools one. Uh, I expected perhaps a better performance from BMW. They went out very early. They went out to Tom Ingram and the um, Toyota. They did, um, although I think that might be down to the following that Tom Ingram has on social media. Again, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, although Ingram's car does look good, albeit not much different from last year. It does, yeah. Uh, Moving on then to the Drivers' World Cup. Yes, slightly different set out for this tournament. Um, we yeah, started so we did off with a group, group stage. We did. Classic World Cup, mate. Group stages. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we had a winner go through from each group and... As a bonus for winning their livery competition, we drew Aidan Moffat out of a hat between him and Sutton to go automatically through um, to a quarterfinal. And yeah, it's um, he had a fairly good run from there on, didn't he? He did. He did again. Um, the groups were very interesting. There's a couple of groups of death where you really had very very close ones. Tom Ingram got out of his group by a single vote, yep. um, for example. Um, it was a very, very well fought and well contested tournament, but as you say, Moffat kind of went all the way to the final again. He did, um, and came out a fairly clear winner as well. Um, the amount of shares from all his fans on Facebook was unbelievable. So, like within 15 minutes of us putting the post up, I think we had like 16 shares on it. Um, and yeah, he he steamed his way through on that one. Uh, personally, I thought. Tom, one of the Toms was going to win it, either Tom Chilton or Tom Ingram. Well, when Ingram got to the final, I did expect him to to go on and win it. I have to say, yeah. I also expected, I also expected Jason Plato to go further than he did, just because there's a lot of Plato fans out there. Um, yeah. There's also a lot of Plato detractors, but there's also <laughs> a lot of Plato fans out there. Um, I've often knocked him out along the way. Um, I, I just kind of thought Plato or Neil might go a bit further, but both. Yeah, yeah, Neil was a bit of a surprise for me. Um, I was surprised that I don't think he got out of the group, did he? I can't remember now. It was so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, he certainly, he certainly didn't go particularly far in the tournament. Um, I think Moffat's um, a worthy winner. He's well liked on the track and off the track. Um, he's a good driver as well. I personally slightly disappointed to see Tom lose again. Yeah. He's very much the BTC nearly man. Um, I'm sure he'd prefer to win a well, uh, uh, touring card to the our World Cup tournament but a win's a win um, but again a very well contested and well response uh, response to the tournament from us yeah, yeah thanks from everyone that got involved and shared it between their friends and even had a comment as for their favourite driver um, it's not the only game that has been going on over the off well waiting for the season um, video games shall we yeah. get into it Esports has had a meteoric rise, especially with F1, um, and there are lots of questions bouncing about as to whether touring cars will go into the same sort of process until we get out of lockdown, and whether they'll start esports racing. Now, we already know a couple of drivers have gone off and done the invitational events, like Ash Sutton, 
Um, Gornall's done a couple. Camish uh, has done some. So's Tingram. And yeah, the 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 lack of actual British touring car game is probably making them suffer at the moment. Now we've had games in the past, like we've had Toka Touring Cars one and two on the PlayStation, Toka Race Driver three on PS two, which for me excellent game by the way. Um, Great game, but doesn't but doesn't feature the touring cars. No, unfortunately. Um, more recently, we've had Project Cars one and two, which again doesn't feature yep. the touring cars, but does feature their support series in Genettas yep. and Clios, um, and the more. The more sim racer thing is Assetto Corsa, where you can bring in touring car based vehicles and go to all the touring car tracks. Yeah. Now that's not it's not wholly accessible for everyone, to be fair. Um, but is it at the point now where we could see a BTC game almost stand alone on its own? including the support series. I think it would have to have the support series in there to make it a viable game to sell, personally. Yeah, I think the time is now. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, we did have Toker 1 and 2. Uh, they did include some of the support series, uh, as I remember, on there. Um, I think that if you race on project cars or Forza, you often see liveries from yeah. the touring cars. Um, I, I don't have Forza 7, I still play Forza 6, but you come across a lot of Mercedes in the colours, BMWs and Hondas in the colours. Uh, there's a lot of people who make deliveries. I mean, there's even a, a Simpson one for the Honda uh, yeah. Type R, uh, which I've got a, a, a version of that. Um, so I think the demand is certainly there because people taking the time to make these deliveries on those games. Um, I think I raced a Carlou uh, mm. one on Project Cars recently, didn't yeah. I? So even the new ones have found their way to. Uh, project cars. I know Forza 7, I know that the uh, trade price Audi liveries on Forza 7, somebody's made that. Um, and I think that the world is crying out for it. There is no touring car um, game at the moment. There's nothing remotely close to touring car game. But you can make Forza into a, a particular class, but you can't guarantee what cars will be in that lobby. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that the time is now to to revisit that esports. E you mentioned has never been uh, higher. Uh, gaming has probably never been higher. Considering yeah. it's something to do. Um, I think the time is now to to cash in on that, if you like, for want of a better expression. I know Matt Neil mentioned in a question and answer session that there's potentially one in development. It was difficult. I mean, Neil's often cryptic at the best of times. Oh, yeah. um, but I, I certainly think there would be. Particularly if the drivers are doing it, racing sim sports. I certainly think there'd be a an interest from the drivers to have a game along those lines. I mean, you know, there's a lot of youth in the in touring cars that are brought up on gaming in a way that perhaps the older drivers aren't. Um, but equally, I think just the interest in the sport, in e, e racing, etc., is at an all-time high. That seems a logical time to go for it. Yeah, I mean, we've seen how well the esports series for F1 has been brought about. Now they've had the Codemasters F1 game since what 2008, 2009, and they've been developed. Codemasters, of course, did the original Toka games. They as well. did, and they've been developing those engines, pardon the pun, over the time, and they've got to a point now where they are to a simulation standard. And we've got yeah. F1 six, at least six F1 drivers racing. I think it's every two weeks on tracks that they would be racing on normally, doing it on their own sim rig. 
and Charles Leclerc is a perfect example of that. He's gone out and won the last two events, which shows you the skills are completely transferable. Yeah. And if we had that for the BTCC, who knows? We could possibly ha- make a season out of it. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think the other thing uh, on that as well is obviously the F1 has had some guest drivers in uh, to make it more quote, interesting. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason the touring cars couldn't do it either. There's a lot of celebrities who like the touring cars. Yep. I mean, obviously James Martin comes to mind from the players' camp. Uh, the now the Grand Tour, but Top Gear always bang on about how much they love the touring cars as a series, etc. Yep. I wouldn't imagine it'd be particularly hard to get one of those three in a race. No. I mean, they make make a great thing for Amazon Prime on it because Amazon Prime would stream it or something like that. You know, it'd be yeah, easy. it'd be excellent. Find a way of doing it. Um, I agree with you that if there was to be a game, all the, pa- the support packages would have to be on it. I think I think that's. But again, you can make a career mode out of that. You start off in presenters exactly. or yeah, and work up. What what could be better? Yep. Um, if you could do it for F one, which I think is a harder, more technical game than a touring car one would be, I don't see why it couldn't be made for a touring car. I think the only the only thing that Gao has always said about it is he doesn't think demand would be there for it. Um, but then the most logical thing to do would be to add a DLC to Forza or Project Cars and see what the demand is. If there is a big demand for it, you then know you can make a standalone game. Yeah, it's definitely something that we've spoken about before. There are enough people making liveries on Forza and Project Cars to go, well, why don't we just do a DLC pack that you could even monetize that. And I mean, that's oh, pushing it to the extreme that to see if it would actually work and there would be the demand there. So, yeah. if you can do it with that, then there's no reason that I think Codemasters are probably in the best position to develop a game of that standard. Um, yeah. Whereas Forza concentrate more on real life cars, transferring them into track cars. Uh, we do have race cars on there as well, um, but I think Codemasters are in the best situation for that. However, I can understand that they're forging well ahead with their own F1 game. There's no reason why Codemasters couldn't work with Forza or Project Cars to create a small expansion pack to test the waters and then go from there. Yeah. Um, I think the demand would be quite high. Um, so I think that the touring cars does stab itself in the foot. I think from time to time by not being adventurous enough. Yeah. You know, it's a. Uh, it's it's crazy we've not had a touring car game for what 20 years now, more or less. How's that? How can that possibly be the case? It's yeah. crazy. And and not to almost blow our own trumpet, but until we started this podcast, I haven't seen many podcasts about. And podcasts have been all the rage in recent years. And you just you just feel at times that, as you said, BTCC is a little bit behind the times in catching up with that social media almost like revolution slash development. Well, if they haven't. We're going on a slightly different but now. That that's fine. I mean, I think if they didn't have Paul O'Neill on board from the social media point of view, they'd be even further back because yeah. he has embraced that aspect of it and has helped bring them forward um, with the social media. But yeah, I just think that the touring cars is a fan-driven sport, and if they want to survive, they need to keep coming up with new ideas that are going to keep people interested. I, the game seems the most obvious thing to do. And I bet he'd love to do the commentary for that, Paul O'Neill. Oh god, yeah. Oh hell yeah. He Absolutely. he would jump right on board with that, and he'd love to do some sim racing. Now he's not able to get in the car for himself. I 
can't see why Tim Harvey wouldn't want to get involved with the game. I mean, he yeah. used to be involved when he was on the game, to be fair, yeah. as a driver back. That's how long it was in the Peugeot. Um, I can't see why you wouldn't want to push that boundary now and try and go to the next level. It, we only had a British driver car app in the last six, seven months. Yeah, I know. Which is mental. Yeah. Well, um, hopefully, mate, there's someone out there listening to this thinking, that's a <laughs> genius idea. Why haven't we thought of that? Although I'm, I'm pretty sure the amount of social media things that have gone, well, where's the BTCC game and all this? I was about to say that. I mean, you look at you look at what people say on the socials, and it, you know, there's a obviously Twitter and Facebook aren't the greatest barometer of life. We all know this, but yeah. there is a, a big drive for the game. Yeah. Look, look how many people attend three race weekends. If you even only capture a third of those. Look at how many young children attend race weekends as well. Even if you you make it targeted to um, sort of like 11, 12 and older, you're going to get those people that want to go, oh yeah, I love racing, I wish I could do this. And then they'll get interested in the game, they'll be more interested in the sport, they'll want to come to more events, they'll know the circuits, they'll know the drivers, and it it almost snowballs, doesn't it? Well, and dare I say, there isn't actually many racing racing games out there. Forza is a racing game, but it's not a series racing game. I mean, it's quite diffuse, uh, diverse. Sorry, there's a lot you can do in Forza. Some people just want to race. Yeah. You know, some people just want a racing series. Yeah. They don't want the story arc of Forza going to the you know the 1950s Grand Prix and redoing those. Yeah. Or project cars on the similar line. They just want a series, like like F1, to racing. Yeah. Well, as some of you may or may not know, we have already had out one of our new series of podcasts, which is our top fives um, in the lead up to hopefully the new season. Um, uh, last week's was top five drivers, British drivers, and um, yeah, there were some questions asked there about our choices. Um, yeah. And I'm sure if you want to go and look, listen to that, that will be on the usual podcast places. But coming up on Friday this week we have top five tracks so that's tracks that we have been to ourselves maybe that are on the calendar that aren't on the calendar anymore um that we think are the most exciting or hold the most in our in our own hearts really yeah that's it i mean you you pretty much surmised the the, the subject matter it is a case a case of tracks that have been used uh, or may still be being used um so expect a few surprises in there. I, I imagine our choices might be quite similar on this one. Yeah, fairly similar. But you'll have to uh, listen and find out. Of course, we'll be updating on our social medias as often as we need to uh, and keeping you fully up to date with what is going on in the world of the rich touring cars. And, uh, yeah, we'll hope that you give the, uh, give the podcast a listen and a like and uh, go and catch our new series. In the meantime, stay home, stay safe, and look after one another. Remember to subscribe, follow, and also share our podcast for more touring car updates. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by just searching for BTCP, British Touring Car Podcast. And you can also contact us there or on our email at btccpod at gmail.com. 